should I leave my lights up all year long or not, right? I have done that, haven't I? And that's not because I was letting my light shine. I was just too lazy to get them down. Won't do that again because I wrecked those lights. Anyway, I hope you've had a good Christmas. We have uh, spent the last week hanging out, going slow, eating lots of food, going slow, eating lots of food. It's been a good week. And uh, it's hard to believe that we are here at the end of 2019. Just let that sit in for a second. Um, In three days, we are going to ring in 2020. Why are you so excited? (laughs) Oh, 2020. Isn't that amazing? Where they say everything's going to be much clearer, right? We've all heard that one. Sorry. But uh, do you remember way, I mean, when I was a kid, I remember thinking, you know, the 2000s, 2020, that was like, you know, forever in the future. Like, that's like Star Trek or whatever, right? But here we are. 2020 is just staring us in the face. And um, what will 2020 bring? That's a good question. As I was uh, pondering what I should come, uh, what my message would be this morning, praying about it, thinking, okay, God, what do we leave for people as we finish up 2019, as we look into 2020, what's a great message? What would be something to encourage and challenge our folks with? And I landed on the end of 2 Corinthians. I thought, you know what? Final words are always really good, right? Uh, Any book, the last chapter, super important, right? Some of us maybe skip a bunch of chapters to make sure we get to the end and read the end. Um, The end of a movie is really important, right, Katrina? Because she always wakes up for the end, no matter what. (laughs) But that's, you do, right? And any final message, you know, uh, the conclusion is super important. So feel free to nod off, you know, right now if you want, but make sure you wake up for the last few minutes. Um, yeah, final remarks, final words are usually really important. Um, no different for Paul as he zeroed in on some final words at the end of 2 Corinthians. And um, let me just give you some background. Paul wrote, uh, we know, at least a couple letters to the church in Corinth. And Corinth was a city, it's a major cosmopolitan city, it was a seaport, a major trade center at that time. It was filled with idolatry and immorality, really a godless uh, city. And it was, um, and the church was uh, largely made up of Gentiles. And Paul started, launched this church back on his second missionary journey. And... Um, Paul wrote the first letter, 1 Corinthians, and if you look through that, it was a letter aimed at correction and teaching for the most part. And 2 Corinthians really was um, a continuation of that. And our understanding is the church, for the most part, was responding well, but you can tell that there's a lot going on at the church in Corinth. No different than maybe our churches today. There's a lot going on around us, isn't there? In our church here, in the churches around our community and in the world. There's lots going on. And at the end of 2 Corinthians, Paul has his famous last words, his final comments that he brings to the church. The whole chapter, but the last little segment 
And if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 2 Corinthians 13. And at the very end, verses 11 to 14, and specifically 11 to 13, is uh, his final words with a benediction. And um, I want to just touch on those couple verses this morning as a way to encourage, as a way to challenge us this morning. So let's look at that. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, dear brothers and sisters. So he knows, you know that he's talking to the Christians at the church in Corinth. He says, dear brothers and sisters, I close my letter with these last words. Be joyful, grow to maturity, encourage each other, live in harmony and peace, then the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet each other with a sacred, a sacred kiss. All of God's people here send you their greetings. That's it. Simple. The last verse I'm going to leave for our benediction this morning as well. But those um, verses tell us there's three things that Paul encourages, challenges the, the, the church at Corinth. He says, be joyful, grow to maturity, and encourage each other, slash live in harmony. Put those two together so that we can still keep it to a three-point sermon. Be joyful, grow to maturity, and encourage each other and live in harmony. First, joy. You can't have Christmas without the word joy. Joy is one of the words that we use lots around Christmas time. We have it on a big board picture thing in our above our stairs, joy. We see it on Christmas cards, joy. It's in the Christmas carol, joy to the world. We hear it, we speak it. Uh, may the joy of this season fill your heart. May the joy of Jesus um, fill you this season. We say joy all the time at Christmas time, and maybe in other parts of the season, but joy is a big part of our season. Pastor Scott did the series of hope through the month of December. And he bookended his messages with um, a prayer for us. Uh, Romans 15, 13, which I'm going to say again this morning to us. May the God of hope, and hope was our theme throughout December. May the God of hope fill you with all joy. There it is. Fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Joy is something that Paul encourages the church at Corinth. What is joy? We know that joy is a part of the fruit of the Spirit. If you know that, Galatians 5.22 has a list of the character traits. Galatians 5.22 says, The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in, in you, or in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The second one is joy. Joy is a part of the, holy, uh, uh, of the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. So the fruit of the Spirit is the spontaneous work of the Holy Spirit in our life. Let me say that again. The fruit of the Spirit, those character traits, the fruit of the Spirit is the spontaneous work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Spirit produces these character traits in us, just naturally, which includes joy. They are a byproduct of Christ's control in our lives. So as we are controlled by the Spirit of God, one of the natural byproducts is to be 
joyful. And this isn't about just gritting your teeth and going, I just need to be more joyful. You could try that, but that doesn't really work. No. It's about leaning into our relationship with Jesus, about leaning into this journey with Jesus that we talk about. It is about letting the work of the Holy Spirit do what it does in us, produce love and joy and peace and patience. The list goes on. Joy being one of those. So joy is part of the work of God in us. Is joy just being happy? No. Happiness is more of a state than the result. Um, or sorry, happiness is more of a state, the result of an experience. I heard it said this way, that happiness is the end goal or destination, whereas joy is the milestones that lead to the end goal. Joy is an emotion. Happiness is a feeling. That all said, Paul is saying, be joyful. Happiness, being happy, is the smile on our face. It's that uh, thing that we express. Joy is something deeper within, something deeper inside us, and ultimately found in the work of Jesus in our life like we see in Galatians 5 through the, the fruit of the Spirit. So no matter what's going on in our life, we could have at the root, at the foundation of our life, joy. And that might be easier said than done when we're going through some really hard and difficult times to go, I still have this joy in my life. But Paul doesn't clarify, oh, just be joyful when things are going great or when things are, when you're at the mountaintop. He just says, be joyful, period. So we need to think about that for a moment and ask ourselves, how am I doing at being joyful in my life? And what does that look like? Be joyful was the first thing Paul encourages the church at Corinth in those famous last words. So he doesn't stop there, and he adds, and grow to maturity and grow to maturity. We say this around you, Dak Watson. What are your next steps on your journey with Jesus? What are your next steps on your journey with Jesus? In growing to maturity, what are your next steps? Paul tells the church in Corinth to keep on your journey with Jesus. Keep growing in maturity, he says. So what does it look like to keep growing? Are some of us sitting here going, I'm done, I've been there, done that, I've done this and this and this. I must be a mature Christian. We have a document here at UDAC called The Journey with Jesus. Um, and this is a document, and it's, it doesn't have everything, but this is a helpful tool for us. And if you open it up inside, you'll see at the very top of the page, there's three, uh, is it on the top? You, know, you can't see that top, I guess it got cut off. But it says explore, embrace, and embody. So there's three major categories. Underneath there, are, you can see those three areas. On the one side, on our left, is the explore part. That's the side where people are peering over at the fence at Christianity, wondering about what this God thing is, maybe. Or maybe if you're at the very, very far left, you're not interested at all. And you can see all the different markers of someone who's not interested. And as they grow closer to making a, a faith commitment to Jesus, you see some of the markers of someone pursuing Jesus. That center column uh, below the cross is where someone puts their faith and their hope and their trust in Jesus. 
And those are some of the elements of someone making a decision to follow Jesus. And on the right, and this is the, the, the part that Paul is speaking to the church in Corinth about growing in maturity. And this is some markers for those of us that have put our faith and our hope in God. And you can see some of those markers listed. And again, these, this is not all linear. Like our relationship with Jesus isn't just like, just like that. But these are helpful. Being baptized as a believer. We saw that a few weeks ago. Some of our folks here made their next steps in, in, in baptism. Um, being uh, mentored or being in a significant relationship with others where we're really leaning into what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Um, and if you look through, we share about Jesus with other people. We start giving of our resources. Growing in community is the next column. And underneath there, there's other markers that help us to identify what it means to keep growing, taking next steps in our journey with Jesus until we get into this, the final column, which is living missionally, where we are sharing our faith, we are giving sacrificially, we are... Um, mentoring others and really leaning into this relationship with Jesus, with others, intentionally. And again, like I said, our journey with Jesus is not quite this linear, and we might be on a couple different columns in that area. But the point is, where are you on your journey with Jesus? Can you find out on this document where you're at? When Paul says to the church at Corinth, keep maturing, what was he saying to them? Keep moving forward in your journey. I carry this in my car. I share this with people often. We have them out in the lobby, and in fact, this morning I have them on the tables, and as, as we exit, feel free to grab one or two and talk about this at lunchtime or over this new year and go, where am I at? If you got kids, ask your kids, where are you at on your journey with Jesus? How are we doing it, moving along this journey? Because that is one of the final famous last words of Paul. Grow in maturity, folks. Keep growing. Where are you? Have you taken steps in your maturity this past year? And are you, or are you pretty much in the same place as you were on December 29th, 2018? With so much going on in our life, we can neglect our journey with Jesus. We can get stagnant, do the same old, same old. Do this, get to church, maybe go to a study, whatever. We just kind of keep on this really shallow trajectory on our relationship with Jesus. We can look at verses like Galatians 5.22 that I mentioned earlier about the fruit of the Spirit, and we go, how am I at, how is the Holy Spirit oozing out of me through love, joy, peace, peace. Like, talk about that. Look at that and go, is that really evident in my life? Are these character traits leaking out of me naturally? Again, take this document, this Journey with Jesus document. And again, it's not complete or comprehensive of everything, but it's, it's a great template, a great tool. And ask yourself, where am I at? And it's not meant, again, to be just this checklist. Done it. Check, done it, check, done it, go good. You know, we're good to go. This is really about our journey with Jesus, that we're leaning into our relationship with him. And this was a good reminder for me, where am I at on my journey with Jesus? Well, I'm a pastor. 
uh, I'm done that. No, I need to be finding out how I can grow and learn and develop disciplines that help uh, make a solid foundation in my life. This is about leaning into our journey with him, maturing in our relationship with him. So the first two things that Paul comes to say to the church at Corinth, he says, be joyful and grow maturity. And then he says, encourage one another and live in harmony. So the first two things that he mentions really is about more about us, about me, about right here in my heart and where I'm at. Be joyful and grow maturity. The second one, or the third one here, uh, is about focusing outward. Encourage one another and live in harmony together. What is encouragement? The word actually means to put into the heart. To put into the heart. What does it look like to put something of meaning into one into another person's heart? There are several places in the scriptures that speak about building up one another or coming alongside uh, each other and to serve one another. So again, how are we doing at encouraging one another, coming alongside one another in some way that builds them up, that lifts them up, encourages them? What you do puts something of value into their heart, not just a high five, which high fives are great and handshakes are great, but when you encourage someone, where you really lean into someone and go, hey, I want to value, I want to encourage, I want to speak truth, I want to put value into you. I heard it put this way, everyone needs recognition for the accomplishments and, and what they're doing, but few people make it known quite as clearly as this little boy who said, Father, let's play darts. I'll throw, and you say, wonderful. Think about that for a moment. A little boy that says, Dad, let's go play darts. I'm going to throw it, and you say, wonderful. And we get a little chuckle out of that because it is really at the heart of what it means to encourage and come alongside someone in a very basic way to love on somebody and encourage them and to speak truth and to put something into their heart that's meaningful. Yeah. This is put together with live in harmony. Encourage one another and live in harmony. Harmony is the combination of simultaneously sounded musical notes to produce chords and a chord progression having a pleasing effect. Katrina was playing the piano this morning and you could, you know, those notes sounded great. If people are living in harmony with each other, they are living together peacefully rather than fighting or arguing or grinding at each other. We must try to live in peace and harmony with those around us. In the church, Paul is saying, encourage each other and live in harmony with each other. Live in harmony with each other. I'm going to try something this morning. <clears throat> I did take some piano at one point in my life, though Katrina's the one that should be doing this. But.
that's the key of C, right? Yes. I've always wanted to lead from the piano. Isn't that? that feels great up here. <laughs> I need a microphone. Oh, I do have a microphone on. Um, but doesn't that sound nice? Those three simple notes. What's that? C, A, B, C, D, whatever. There's three notes, and they sound wonderful together. They're meant to be played together, those three together at that time. Those notes do not sound so good. In fact, you're kind of saying, okay, that's good, we get the point. If we go back to those three notes, there it is. It sounds much nicer. You can clap now if you want. <laughs> um, but think about that. The, the keyboard is like the church. We all are uh, a different key, a different piano, or a different key note on the piano. And when played together properly in harmony, it sounds wonderful. But when we are maybe, maybe slightly fighting or gritting our teeth at things or uncomfortable things or whatever it is, it's like the second pile of notes I played together that were not working together, they were not harmonizing together. It sounded horrible, and we all wanted to run screaming into the night. Paul's saying, encourage one another and live in harmony together. Like those notes played together that sound so wonderful. And in the scriptures, this is not the only place where we hear this. It's scattered all through the New Testament. New Testament. Colossians 3, one of my favorite passages, um, talks about putting on different elements in our, in our journey with Jesus. And one of them is put on love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony or perfect unity, different uh, translations. Harmony, unity, kind of same, same thing. Love, interesting, another part of the fruit of the Spirit. Maybe that's really important, that Galatians 5, 22 passage. Or if you look back in Paul's first letter to the Corinthian church, in 1 Corinthians 12, talking about um, the spiritual gifts compared to different body parts. And that's another whole message in and of itself. But in there he says all these different things about different spiritual gifts related to the body. You know, we can't all be ears and we can't all be noses. There's, we all have different gifts and talents and abilities. And when we're working together, there's harmony. And he says in verse 25, this makes for harmony among the members. When we are doing things right. And so at the end of his second letter to the Corinthian church, he says, encourage one another and live in harmony. That's wonderful. We'll invite the worship team to come. But... As I close with Paul's final words, he says, be joyful, grow in maturity, and encourage one another and live in harmony. Those three real simple things. Be joyful, grow in maturity, and encourage one another. And I guess we need to look at that and go, as I finish this year, as I look to 2020, where am I at on my journey? How am I doing? How am I doing?
the last verse I'm going to leave for the end, which is our benediction. And so before we do that, we're going to have another little set of worship time together. I'm going to get you to stand.